Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joy Elkan, and Dennis Dick with you this morning. Uh, today we're talking about uh, two things, really, uh, secondary offerings and insider selling. A lot of both of those things happening this, uh, today, or really past few days or past few weeks. Uh, this morning we're seeing a couple of offerings from U.S. Steel and Red Robin, so I think maybe few people saw what, what Hertz did, and they thought, I want to get on that train, so we're going to talk about that, and just the spate of insider sales. We've talked about that before, but this is this trend is just continuing here. So uh, that'll be uh, the two big discussions on our show. We'll also take your questions from our chat, as always, all three of them, the chat on YouTube, the chat on premarket.benzinga.com, and the chat on Benzinga Pro. Our guest is Michelle Krebs. She is the executive analyst at Cox Automotive, and she will hopefully tell us how long it will take for the auto industry to recover from this crisis. Let's bring Joel on now. Joel, why don't you give us a quick update on what happened here in the overnight trading session? Uh, will do, Mr. Israel. Uh, first of all, I would like to uh, welcome our new listener uh, who hopped in the uh, pre-market chat from India uh, late last night. I don't know if you're up this morning, but uh, good morning to you in India as uh, we continue to expand around the world. Ah. Uh, Folks, I don't know if you're going to like this show today because there's not a lot of positivity coming out of it. Market uh, went deep red, went into green by a little bit on, uh, I believe it was on the QE from England, and now we are just slipping and sliding. We are heading toward a major support level that if we breach, we're going to be in big time trouble. And I'll talk about that when Dennis comes on. Uh, crude's in the green by a nickel at 3801. Uh, gold's down 980 at 17.1940. Silver down 14 and a half cents at 17.63. Bitcoin up $120 at 9,445. Triple D. Uh, what an overnight range. Uh, Eight o'clock shutdown in the red. That rally up this morning. Mysterious rally. Yeah. And now we're back in the Punch protection team working hard. In the early hours, I don't know. Do you know. think they bought and then they they they're not supposed we to be able to sold and then they bought and they sold again? I I have no idea what's going. On. I think you've just got a lot. Of, you've got a huge battle happening here. Is what's really happening? You've got the traders who believe, and I'm one of them, that the reopening is not going very well so far, especially in the southern states. And you know, we'll talk about that. You know, in the, in the details of that in a second. But then you also have uh, the Portnoy crowd, the retailer, you know, trader who is really moving the market right now, coming in, buying every single dip because it works. It's been working. I mean, just blindly buying the dip has worked better 
Um, you know, it's worked forever. I mean, the markets were near all-time highs, but it's really worked well in the last couple of months. So last night, S&P futures down 40 handles. What do they do? They come by the dip once again, rally it all the way back up to green. Well, it turns around and then the selling pressure just starts to come. So I don't know who's going to win this battle in the short run. In the long run, my money is on the institutional money uh, and, and in the long run, meaning not the long, long run, because we know the market usually does eventually get through things. But I don't think we're through COVID. I've said that. That's why I continue to remain in a lot of cash in my long-term portfolio. With that being said, you know, I was even taking swing trades in the trashy stocks. We've talked about this stuff. I think it's starting to look like more nervous. So the market all of a sudden cares about COVID again. Didn't care for a month. It cares. It's watching numbers again. As the Texas numbers start to come higher, market starts to look weaker. As we hear, you know, Georgia, you know, Southern, you know, and some of these Valdosta and some of these other cities that are having a rough time with it right now, all of a sudden, you know, like there's like two different, you know, countries here. I saw somebody tweet out. You've got the Northern area, which has actually tackled COVID fairly well because we went into strict lockdowns. And you got the Southern states that really didn't do much. They didn't take the strict lockdowns, you know, that a lot of, of the other states did. And obviously the spread out as well. So you look at New York, you look at the big cities, they're on top of each other. It's gonna spread there more rapidly. It's gonna take longer in rural communities. What we're seeing now is the catch-up trade for the South, South, where it's a little more spread out and COVID is starting to show up kind of everywhere. And that's what the market is concerned about. It now, once again, cares about COVID. Joel, you on mute? I, oh, no, Spencer. No, no, I, 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 I think that we're just gonna be range bound here for an extended period of time. Um, so whether you want to read that to to COVID. One thing that's interesting is that the, the summer, the, the warmer weather doesn't appear to be making that big of a difference because it's if you look at where it's getting bad. It's a major it's issue. It's getting bad in the south, Texas, Arizona, Florida, uh, where it's hottest, Georgia. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we're going to retest the March lows like you say, Dennis, um, but I think... That's a long ways away. That's a long that, ways that, away. Yeah, yeah. A, a, lot would, a lot would have to happen for us to get there. I don't know that either. And obviously, I've been on the bull train here for a little while, calling for all-time highs. But I'm going to stop calling for all-time highs here, at least for the short term, because I'm wrong about one thing. And this is what's just, you know, I just want to quickly say about this, is I've been speculating that for the last month that the markets could hit all-time highs because I thought the summer would cool COVID down. I thought the summer would matter that everybody's going outside and the reopening probably, you know, goes pretty well through the summer. And then I've been suspecting in the fall we get slammed again. And that's when the markets start to get hit again because, you know, the flu season is normally not very active in July and August. The way it's going in the South right now makes me think that this actually is not, the weather is not helping as much as you would think. Um, you know, Scott Gottlieb was you know, saying that he thought the weather would help, but it's kind of proving you proving that theory somewhat wrong here, which is a major issue because if the market starts to care about the case numbers going up and we start seeing the cases go up and think about, you know, we're reopening everywhere, you know, we're saying we're in Mnuchin, we're never going into lockdown again. That means that the reopening needs to go well. This, so far, the states that opened early, like Texas and Georgia, it's not going that well. If we keep reopening everything around New York, you can say yes, and, and Detroit, Michigan has been in strict lockdown, but we start to reopen everything. We're basically four to five weeks later, cases are going to start to go up again. So it's not going away. COVID is not going away. That's a major issue for the markets eventually. And the reason you can say, oh, the markets don't give a crap about fundamentals, but they care about dilution and they care about bankruptcy. Yes, you know, Hertz gets bought up in bankruptcy. Let's be honest here. It's still always right back down to a buck. So you see US Steel, X, major offering. So this is where- Who wants to buy that? Yeah, buy well, and obviously nobody because it's 850, there was a price, it's trading 812. So if you start to see companies that they have to raise cash, that's when dilution starts to matter. That's when the markets will start to care about fundamentals again. So lots, the timing of this is incredibly hard, incredibly hard. But I still think that we got a rough, rough road ahead. 
I don't think that it's just going to be all, you know, COVID just going to disappear like a miracle. Um, I think there's a rough road ahead. I don't know the timing of that. So I'm going to keep trading the swings. And I think Spencer's right. Range bound by the dip, sell the rip, continues to work. It worked last night again. So we continue to do that as a traders until it works. As long-term investors, I'm going to hold on to a significant amount of cash because I don't trust that we don't retest the March lows. I don't know if we're going to or not, but I'm not comfortable to be 100% invested in this market. And some people on margin, you know, 200% invested in this market. I'm not comfortable with that because I don't think COVID's going away. And the Spanish flu, the first wave was bad. The second wave is what killed everyone. So I don't think it's going away. And that's why as a long-term investor, put the long-term investor hat on, I'm staying in a, ca- a lot of cash. Short-term, swing trade in, you know, ride, you know, tr- ride a little bit trash up, sell it when it pops, you get 10% move up, sell it. People were asking me, buy the dip and sell the rip. What's your time frame? All time frames, buy the dip, sell the rip. All time frames, intraday. Stock sells off 5%, it seems, you know, got a good support level, buying the dips. Rallies right, up 5%, resistance right, level, sell the rip. Let, let's take off our, our COVID glasses here for a second. And, oh, yeah, they're off. Okay. And let's look at the market. Okay. I never was quite in the new all-time high camp that, that a lot no, of people you were. were I, I, you know. And, but then again, when I, you know, when we took out, you know, that, you know, the resistance at 2950, I, I didn't think we were going to, you know, 3150. So I haven't, you know, I haven't been spot on on that. But what I can tell you is that the volatility is increasing and we are going into a quad wedge expiration. And when volatility increases, that's not a good sign for the market. And, you know, you can be your VIGs players and your VIGs traders or whatever. I look at the average daily ranges. And we had wild out, you know, got up to 200 plus, and then we calmed down. And then once we calmed down, we rallied. And we rallied nicely. And those ranges kept on coming in and coming in and coming in and coming in. And it was back to the just bull, 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 the big overnight moves. Now the ranges are expanding again and they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That in and of itself does not bode well for the market. The market needs to calm down. Are we going to consolidate? Is this just because of expiration and we are going to consolidate here and everything's going to be fine? I don't know, but I got a technical level that I'm keeping an eye on that I'm really very, very confident in and I'm going to keep an eye on. And that is, uh, it's basically the low from today. The low from today is 64.50. We also hit a low on Monday at 30.60 and a quarter. Uh, the inner day, we came down to 63. So that whole area, you know, I remember when we were banging on the door at 27.50, and I was so sure we were going through 27.50 and we were going to 25.50. But that level just kept on holding and holding and holding and holding and holding. And you know what? we rallied out of there and we, we went to 3,200 or whatever. So I'm just saying, technically I'm forgetting about, you know, all the airlines problems, all the COVID, all the expiration. I'm keeping my eye on that level. And if we take out that level, then I think we easily see 3,000. And I mean, at the beginning of the week, we saw 29, 23, 75. So, so what's your level again? 30, 60. What, and what was the low in the spider yesterday? It's the same right thing. around there. Yeah. It's well, not yesterday, day, day before, yeah. 30, 307. Yeah, so. exactly. You're in that round, 306, 307. I'll go with that. 306, yep. 307 is so key. I'm so overnight, overnight low. Here. Mark down the overnight low. That needs to hold. We take exactly. that out. It's a slippery slope down to 3,000. I'll give you that as well. So, I still got my bull hat on, and it's just, but it's kind of like it's. it's about like, 3,000, really, the bulls are still in charge here. So there's no reason to just go in full panic and sell your entire investment portfolio. But I'm just saying, if you're all in, maybe lighten up a bit. Like, just there's a lot of uncertainty again. A lot of uncertainty again. So let, let's go with some of that. Um, what, what you're seeing, Dennis, and uh, you, you noted that you. Uh, you, you write down the insider buys and sells every, or you yeah. used to do that every day. Yeah, and, I and- still do it. So I don't care. I never cared much about the sells because what we've said for years is CEOs, insiders sell for multiple reasons. I got, you know, a, a house I want to buy, a boat I want to buy, another piece of property. I've got a divorce I've got to fund through. You know, they sell for multiple reasons. They only buy for one reason, and that's because they believe in their company and they, they think they want to make money on their stock. 
So I've always just written down the buys. Every single night, I'm, I'm watching the SEC filings as they come in, and I, I note the big ones. I note something that's, that's notable. If it's a small company, you can obviously go a little bit smaller size, but you know, I'm always noting who's buying. So every night I write down you know, all the major buys. Normally, I have usually about 15 to 20 on my piece of paper, that little piece of paper that I write there, about 15 to 20. Lately, if I look back, I got two. I got three, I got five. So I've been done this for years, guys. This isn't, you know, guys and girls. This isn't something I just all of a sudden started doing. I've written down an insider buys because they move stocks. So I've always noted the big ones. So for years, I often get, you know, and, and, and this is before COVID, 15 to 20 of them. Now all of a sudden, um, I'm getting three, I'm getting four. I'm not getting a lot of major buying, but what I am selectively noticing, and this is why, you know, I was asking Twitter last night, it may just be my selective perception because I've never really noted the cells, but all I see is in my in the SEC filings that are coming through in your Benzinga Pro is major inside selling. I see it all over the place. I mean, Oprah, for crying out loud, registered shares last night. So I don't know if she's going to actually sell them, but she registered them in Weight Watchers. So full disclosure, I got a position short in Weight Watchers for that reason, but I don't know if she's going to you know, actually sell them, but they were registered last night. It usually is the first step. So to sell some stock. So it spooks you a bet. Um, but, you know, there was BILL. Here's another one. I believe it was the CEO. Sold a million shares. million shares last night. Just dump a million. I need 75 million bucks. Maybe he's buying a mansion. Or maybe he just thinks that stock's a little bit overdone. So stock's not even, stock's bit up here this morning because nobody gives a crap about insider sales. But what I'm trying to say from an overall picture, it appears to me that Wall Street is selling to Main Street. They've always been selling to Main Street, but it appears that they've really got their selling shoes on. The insiders appear to have their selling shoes on, and it's Main Street that's scooping up the stocks, and I think I know how this story ends. All right, well, let's talk about, uh, you know, well, let's talk about some of the offerings here that have been coming out, and uh, this one for U.S. Steel, how, how big is this one, uh, Spencer? It's almost, I think, four point three uh, billion dollars. So they. Uh, How many they, shares? I gotta go see the kind of dilution we're talking. Fifty about fifty million shares at a price of eight dollars fifty eight cents per share. Fifty million shares. So outstanding on U.S. Steel as of yesterday. The share count, and if this is up to date, was one hundred and seventy. One hundred and seventy million shares outstanding. How many are they selling? Fifty million. <laughs> they're diluting the company by 30% overnight, 25% overnight. Holy mackerel, that is an offering. When you see offerings, folks, follow this for years too, it's 1%, 2% of the float. Not take 50 divided by 170. What is that here, Matt? Joel, you, you, you were there. I mean, it's, it's, 50 over 170 sounds pretty close to a third. This is massive, massive, massive dilution. This is like, we need cash. We got problems. We need cash. $8.10, down 13%. Why? Because whoever owns the shares before this massive offering just owns a third less of the company. So you have to take into consideration when stuff like this is going on, it doesn't look like, oh, we're just coming out of this and it's all good. Don't worry, stocks always go back to the highs. You can just randomly buy anything and you'll be okay. I'm not sure that's the case. If you bought U.S. Steel yesterday on the dip, it was a big dip yesterday. I don't know who got the memo, but it was a big dip <laughs> from 1030 down to 930. For that that's dip buy, you're now punished another 13% and you're going to own 27 or whatever percent less of the company. So dilution is an issue. Why are they doing stuff like this? Because the fundamental picture is not that rosy for many of these companies. I think you're going to see a continued amount of dilution. I think you're going to continue to see insiders selling stock. So buy the dip all you want and trade it. I'm telling you, I'm doing it too. Buying the dip and selling the rip is working still right now. But don't get married to these positions and don't get caught because when the hot potato game, the music shuts off, Somebody's going to left hold in the bag, and I don't want to be that person. The rampant speculation, too, that's been going on is, a you know, what's going on with Hertz. They had to pull that. That's now trading back down under $2. Uh, 
you know, look at that U-O-N-E yesterday. People just got punished in that, okay? Um, look at this that. This all ends like that. Yeah, it's, man, well, I don't, I don't All know these small that, little man. stocks go from $2 to $40. When you look at them six months later, they're almost always back at 2 bucks. Again, we, we talked about this yesterday. Somebody wanted to, it was $22. And I said the same thing. I said, when I look at this stock chart, six months from now, I think it's given it all back. I think it was UONE we were talking about when I said that. I say that all the time, so I forget how many times. But when you see these <laughs> nonsense moves, I mean, Fang D or whatever. What was it? Fang? Fang with a couple Ds or something on it? What was the hell? Oh, uh, yeah. F. F A N G D D F. There's two Ds at the end of it. There's too many tickers. There's six letters and something. I don't want it at all. <laughs> too many <laughs> letters to type in, first of all. And then secondly, it usually means they've done some type of funky, funky, funky stuff. So. Anyways, that one came all the way back down. This UONE, the person who bought it, I think I said this here, the person oh, it, it was $22. It, it, was it was Duo was the ticker, D-U-O. Was that the one I was talking about? Yep. Oh, yep. oh, oh Duo, yeah. Oh, that's the Fang DD. Yeah, Duo. Yep. So, oh, you know, geez. you buy this thing, it goes from $9 up to 129 People, oh, yeah, that's party time. Got Duo. Right. 75 to 15 Five days later, it's right back to where it came from. Because all nonsense. So I don't know the story on this UONE, but I just know stocks don't go from two to forty dollars without you know some crazy you know algorithmic plus retail frenzy going on. And I'm going to say it again. I said this yesterday. The person who bought at forty is likely never getting their money back. And this was when the stock was at twenty-two. Now it's at eleven. That person is probably never, ever, 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 ever getting their money back. The bought at forty. The person who bought at twenty yesterday may never, ever, 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 ever get their money back. The person who shorted it is probably, I don't even know if you can. I don't know what the float is. I don't but know. When you're buying this kind of stuff that's just flying high and you're in and like, oh, the frenzy and you're chasing stuff. This is how you get ruined. These are the kind of stocks that lose a lot. You lose your a lot of money. You'll always hear on Twitter. You have to understand. You will always hear about everybody who made money in UONE. You will always hear about everybody who made money in Duo. Everybody will tweet that out because they have to brag about themselves to make them feel better about their life. But you will never hear about the person who bought UONE at $40 or $30 or $22 and is down money. They're sitting back, they're like, oh. And they're kind of, you know, they're not going to go bragging on Twitter. Yeah, I bought UONE at $40. So don't think that everybody, bottom line is everybody else thinks everybody else is getting rich. And I'm not getting rich and I'm getting left behind. The truth of the matter is there isn't that many people getting rich. Even in these markets, yes, if you were buying the last couple of months. But what if you were buying in January? What if you were buying in February? How are you doing there? You can make a living trading the stocks, but don't think that every single person out there is getting rich except me. Because that makes you do things that you shouldn't be doing. That makes you chase stocks. That makes you get involved in the frenzy and you get hurt. Grind it out. The reason I've been in this game for 20 years, I'm not hitting home runs on stocks like Duo or UONE. I'm trading the bank's relationships against each other. I'm picking up a percent here, a half a percent here. Base hits, base hits, base hits. You always go for the long ball. Rob Deere, remember? Rob Deere, back oh. Tiger fans. He'd always swing for the fences, every single swing. And what did he do? He struck out that one year and set a record. How many strikeouts back in like 1995? Rob Deere, how many strikeouts? Man. He had 30 home runs, but how many times did he strike out? It was like 200 and... How, can, can we find that record? Uh, 220, Here, I, I, I 220 in uh, four, 400 at-bats. 220 strikeouts <laughs> in 400 at-bats. So he's striking out more than he's hitting the ball. You want why? Because Rob Deere, fun player, hitting for the fences every single time. The opposite of the base hit. And he hit 30 home runs. You know, and Mickey Tettleton, you know, remember we had the 30, 30, 30, three of them, Cecil Fielder, Tigers talk. Well, you're going back. So all Get I'm it. saying is if you're always swinging the fur of the fences, you're going to strike out a lot. I don't want to strike out a lot because my capital is important to me. I want base hits, little hits. Just don't, I don't even look. Duo, I don't even look at stuff like that. It's all over my Twitter feed. So I can't help but, you know, find out about it because everybody's tweeting about the bloody thing. But, you know, you're sitting here and just trading these little intricate relationships like TLT started taking off this morning. What did that? What happened when the TLT started going up? The market banks. started rolling over, and the bank started rolling over. That's predictable stuff. That's predictable trading right there. Duo. Who, who knows where the hell uh, that yeah. thing's going? 
UNE, who knows where that thing's going? I'm telling you, it's going back down eventually, though. So I don't know where the party ends, but that party will end, and it will end ugly and in tears for most of the investors. Where did Rob Deere play before the Tigers? The Brewers. I have a stuff. Oh, man, because you, you looked it up, Spencer. I'm, I'm staring at the screen right now. He oh, had, man, in, I wanted Dennis to get in that. In 1991, the year I was born, he had 175 strikeouts in 134 games. <laughs> uh, what? Say that again. 175 strikeouts in 134 games. He's, he because he, he, he swung for the fences every single time. And you know what? He got a career out of it. So maybe, you know, some traders are going to get a career. But there's a lot of tra- – most baseball players that strike out more than 50% much, of the yep. time aren't going to have a very long career. That's the point I'm trying to make. So Rob Deere was the exception because he could really hit the ball when he made – when he connected. But he swung for the fences. You can remember how hard he's swinging at everything. And they throw it in the dirt, and he's swinging at that too. <laughs> he's swinging. He's going down swinging. Spencer, you try to get him on the show, please. Bring Rob Deere on. Yeah, sure. He might not come back on. We tried to get – um, we never could get uh, – who was that wrestler we wanted to get? Woo! That guy. Oh, Ric oh, Flair. Oh, Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Let's not go back to that. Uh, real quick. <laughs> the whole show is going to be that now, Joel. Before we oh, move on. Oh, Spencer's getting mad. Okay, before go we, ahead. Before we move on from the offering front, just want to mention that we, we talked about UI Steel here. Red Robin also with an offering this morning. They are going to sell – uh, up to 40 million shares. I have not seen a price on that offering yet, but Red Robin warned in a filing like a week a week ago that they might go out of business. I mean, they, they may not make it, uh, and here they are trying, trying to sell shares. So That's not an ever good... I don't invest in companies that file that they might go out of business. So sold to you. People can come in and buy a secondary offering. This thing looks like it's ready to fall off a cliff. Look at the support. This is a nice setup for shorting. 1155, 1162, 1165, 1167. Now you're going to take out those lows. Through here, through 1155, it's a slippery slope down to zero. Uh, <laughs> not immediately. So don't, you know, it's just right. a little That's bit of not a trading there, recommendation. Not, no, we don't do trading recommendations. No, 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 you, no, no. I don't want to own no. this stock. Nope. Maybe it rallies up with the trash starts to catch a bit here again, which it seems to always catch a bit, but. This stock is not for me. I, I should have traded this stock more because I, I'm a burger guy. I like burgers, and you know what? Have you ate there before, Red Robin? I ate there once, and I didn't like their burger. Well, that's not good. I, I mean, that's bad for a burger joint. There was one right by us, right uh, right up the road, and ended up closing. Uh, but, yeah, the restaurant thing, I mean, that's uh, – restaurants, I still think restaurant stocks, airline stocks, cruise stocks, I mean, those are – not that I ever had them in my portfolio, but I don't know, man. I, I think with everything that's going on, I think those are uh, tough stocks to own here. But uh, we've done a lot of macro here, a lot of broad market talk. There is some earnings news. There's some stocks moving. We got our guest, Michelle Krabs, coming on to talk yeah. to us about the uh, about the auto industry. S&Ps have, re- have recovered here. Uh, only down Buy the 18- dip wins again. Yeah, just as well. Buy the dip. <laughs> it's a simple game, folks. <laughs> just type in letters and just, hit just buy. Type, yeah, I know. <laughs> we love Fortnite, though. You know what? The guy makes me laugh, though. Like he's funny, man. I know. So I, 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 I watch your videos, Dave Portnoy. If you're listening, we, we like. Come on the show. We want you on the show. Okay. Yeah. He, he went to Michigan. He's a Patriots fan, and he loves horses. So he fits right how in the guy, show. How could the guy? not be anything but a but a genius i mean come I mean, on. he got a hundred million dollars so that we can learn something from this guy yeah sure. exactly. hey um someone sent us a great uh message over twitter that i want i want to address here oh, okay cool I, I'll, I'll just read it uh because it, it, was, it was really good so uh buy the dip and sell on the rip sounds simple but in practice is very complicated dennis how do you know when to enter the dip and at what point do you sell the rip 10 percent down and up uh, maybe you guys can elaborate how to identify or determine the entry point for the dip and rip. Mostly on, on feel. Mostly, That's on, mostly feel. on feel, which is something that can't be taught. But what I will say is something that Joel Alconan taught me way back in 1999 when I started at Bright Trading. And he's like the open. He's like everything is about that opening price. Jot that price down because there's so many people who are marked from there in and out. And those give you your best opportunities to potentially – get the bottom or get the top. 
Um, and we saw it, and I, you know, was talking about it, you know, tweeting about it just a few days ago on the SPY. When S&Ps were trading down on Monday, we were down 1,000 points overnight, but we opened week. We opened right near the lows. That was a buying, you can buy the dip there. And then if it starts dipping further, then you're like, okay, well, this is going to be the low. I'm going to have to get out of this trade. But if you put that, if you bought the open that day, it took almost no heat on Monday, and the markets went straight up all day. And then the next day, the exact opposite. We're like, oh, the Fed, the Fed, the markets are going to the moon. And what do they do? They open them up. 600 points that next day after a pretty good run back from the lows. And what does it do that day? The SPY opens on the high tick, tick. to the penny. To the penny. You short that open on to SPY? Zero heat. Zero, zero, Those zero heat. What did we I say on the pre-market stay. show? I'm selling all the stocks I bought yesterday because coal's going up 15% in a day is stupid. And take the 15% and run. Wow, we And are so that's what you got to do is you're, you're, the fade trade has been working. So those two days were awesome for that buy the dip, sell the rip. Some, a lot of days it's not going to open right at the high tick or the low tick, but some days they do, and those are great days. But it depends on your time frame. It depends on your thinking. All I'm saying is on stocks, and I've always said this, stocks that are in uptrends, I like to buy the dip on. Stocks that are in downtrends, I like to sell the rip on because the trends still hold for a long time sometimes, sometimes for years. So I'm not selling stocks on a day we're down 40 50 points you know selling stuff short here now because that's the opposite of what i'm talking about so you're never going to time it perfectly the timing of it's impossible you can't just say oh it's gonna be five percent it's gonna be ten percent it's an overall concept that hey i like this stock i'm not gonna buy it on a day the dow's up 600 though i'm gonna wait till we get a pullback and then i'm gonna buy this stock so pick your stock have your list ready day we get a dip that's when you buy you say, I don't like this stock. I think this company is crap. I think this stock is crap. I think it's in a crappy environment, for lack of a better word. Then on a day that we're rallying up, I sell it short. So that's, you know, how I'm using it, really. So that's why I'm I trying think, to explain. I think also, too, Dennis, I think that um, our feel and our intuition in the markets is one thing that tells us that. Uh, you know, for me, I'm a little bit more technical than you. And you know, using the overnight ranges give me a pretty good feel. Like the other day when, uh, you know, we opened up, we had that ridiculous high, 31.56 and a quarter. Like my my mindset was, you know, I would like to short up there. I don't know if we're going to get back up there. And the longer it takes, you know, you can use levels is what, what I'm trying to say. Um, I just want to talk about a tweet I did yesterday, and uh, I, I'm surprised I didn't get more action on it. Uh, when when uh, Powell was speaking, I asked if he announced the nest adjust, uh, adjustment to the balance sheet, selling puts in the spider and taking the proceeds to buy calls. And I wanted to know if the uh, people that tout the uh, unusual options activity could alert me to the strike prices and months of its uh, expiration. Tweet That's too the long. other thing. Tweet is too that long. Fed? Tweet Sorry. too long? Tweet too long. I'm telling you, I but interest. the Fed. Yeah, the, the, Fed. the only people who – you only read the first five words of any tweet. Yep, Sorry. That's the key to Twitter. <laughs> I guess I'm just – all right, I'm deleting my Twitter account right now. Intellectuals can't be on Twitter. I'm, I'm off it right now. <laughs> all right, uh, real quick. We five get, words. Uh, Getting rid of it. We, we just got initial jobless claims for the week. 1.5 million claims filed last week, which is more than the 1 yeah, who cares? million estimate. Continuing claims still above 20 million. 20 and a half million people with continuing claims. No one cares. Week. You said you said we're bouncing around as the number came out. So p- clearly somebody does yeah. care. So I just want to. Algos care. Yeah. There we go. All right, two minutes here before we're going to grab our guests. Let's go to Kroger. Should we do a stock? Let's yeah, do Kro- a stock. Have we done a stock today? <laughs> Kroger. I'm doing Kroger right now. They had earnings Let's go Krogering. One hour ago, and the uh, earnings were, were good. Q1 adjusted EPS of a buck twenty-two versus a dollar and nine cents. Sales of forty-one point five five versus forty point seven two billion dollars. So they beat the top line and the bottom line estimates in their first quarter. They killed it. Those were great numbers. Again. They had the stock up trade, though. This is the first quarter. So what did everybody do in March? They went to the grocery store and they lowered the boat. They lowered up their pantry. I'm still eating food that I bought back in March. I got a lot of rice. So it wasn't completely unexpected. Although after the lake run, I was surprised actually the Kroger, you know, did spike up and it's come to the red. So why is it trading the red after blowing it away? Because everybody knew they were going to blow it away. Everybody's stocking up. 
So 32 and a half, it's coming in here now. Is, are they still loading up at Kroger? No, people are back to their normal shopping activities. So regardless, it's going to bounce around here. Kroger, I still, I still actually don't mind the stock, just like um, our guest there yesterday. Um, Mish was saying, you know, that she liked Kroger the setup. I don't mind. It got nice support down here at 3180 to 32. But if you're buying that rip on the earnings this morning when it got up almost to $34, it was priced in. That's did you hold on to that short in. yesterday to the close like I told you to? Or did no, you cover I, it I covered it right after the open. Uh, but it worked. I know. I know. That thing I'm telling came you, in. when it's got this options activity and they're like, and the stock rallies 3% because somebody bought a call and they say it on CNBC, those are usually fates. Faded that move yesterday. One call? They bought me. one call. Yeah, yeah, well, I know. You, you know how ridiculous this uh, is? Uh, want me to go on a rant here? 30 no, seconds. No, no, no. I know rant. No, Everybody no. wants a rant. I no. rant, rant after our guest because our guest is okay, here. Okay. I'm going to take it a day off. I know. All right, let's bring on our guest here, Michelle Krebs. She's executive analyst at Cox Automotive, uh, as we've got to get her unmuted here. Michelle, good morning. I think you might have to oh, – oh, let's try one more time. I think I may have done that by mistake. Michelle, uh, good morning. I see you're here. There we go. Good morning. Good morning. Whoa, how are we doing here? I'm good. All right, I think we see you, and we hear you. Perfect. Video, nice. Oh, we got it on video, too? Look Excellent. At that. Look at that. Uh, yeah, technology. Technology, folks. Technology, folks. All right, Michelle, um, let's just start off like broad here, then we'll go to individual companies. But where, where is the auto industry right now in, in its recovery, like in that process? Well, uh, you know, I think it's been an amazing recovery. It's certainly not what we expected when we entered the year, but um, we had anticipated that maybe May would be the bottom. Turns out mid-April was the bottom. So we have been going up ever since. In terms of what? In terms of what? In terms of sales. Okay. Now, there's two, two things happening on the sales side, though. That, uh, so retail sales are improving a lot uh, for new and used, I should say. Uh, but fleet sales are not. Daily rental car sales are way down because of the travel industry. Um, and even commercial businesses have stopped buying vehicles uh, to any degree. So that is going to depress the overall number for the year. And just drilling a little bit deeper into that, like wh where are sales strongest? Where are they weakest? Well, SUVs and pickup trucks. <laughs> okay. Same story as uh, always. And if you're a brand that has pickup trucks, you're doing better than most. Uh, what, one thing that happened, as soon as the pandemic hit, the Detroit 3 in particular dug into their toolbox from the Great Recession and it instantly instituted 0% financing for uh, up to 84 months. Well, it was hugely popular uh, and successful. So it, uh, typically in a, a month, say February, 0% financing is 2% of all vehicle sales. It hit a record high of over 21% in April. So it worked and it moved things along. Uh, and a lot of those were used on pickup trucks and SUVs. Cars are, are histor at historically low levels. So when we, when we talk about a rebound in, in sales, are we talking about a rebound to where we had thought they would be like in January where like the projections for the year? Are we no, no, no. We're not no. going to be. Okay. So our original forecast in January before the pandemic was that the industry would be at 16.8 million vehicles. Last year, they just made it to 17. Okay. Um, our new forecast, we're, and we're revising it again, um, we're looking at 12.3 million um, we, it, we think it'll be uh, below 13 million. There are um, some forecasts out there that are higher. A couple things that are, we think are happening that will hamper sales are the fleet, lower fleet sales, because that'll push the total down. Um, also, we think credit will tighten, especially at that lower end and the subprime end of the business. Um, and inventory, if you're out shopping for a vehicle, you're going to be shocked at how little inventory is out on uh, the lots, because we had two months of uh, plants being shut down, they're slowly with new protocols getting going um, and, and the sales have been stronger than anyone anticipated. So there's just not a lot of inventory, especially if you're looking for a pickup truck. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder, they probably have to do with the fact that they, they weren't making cars for a couple months. Um, right, right. So same story as, as, as what we've seen, as, as, as always, where trucks are strong and everything else really, really isn't. Um, and that, that extends to to the company, so like Ford, for example, would, would be would be pretty strong here in terms of sales. 
yeah, I mean, GM and Ford and, and Ford's, you know, they've got ex actually extra inventory of, of series, but they're going to take their plant down to turn over, convert it to the new one. So uh, Toyota's doing well. They're out of inventory. They're I have never seen, we, we measure it in days supply, 60 is ideal. They're down to 13 on some of their trucks. I've never seen that before. Um, so it, it, those are, are doing well. Um, companies like Dodge brand, um, brands that are heavy into cars are, are not doing as well. So when you say that sales are coming up stronger than, than expected, why do you think that is? I think there was some pent up demand and I think there were good deals that they just couldn't pass up. I mean, the 0% financing really pushed people into the market, even if they had bought not so long ago. Uh, I think the big question is though, that takes people out of the market for a long time, especially if they'd done 0% financing for 84 months, but it, it did the trick initially. And I think the other thing is people who have money, you know, people are not spending a lot of money elsewhere if you look at the savings rate. So if you've, you've got money, you um, you know, you, you have that to spend, but it's a very much a have or have not market. Yeah. So much of that is, is dependent on, you know, we talk about the strength and the weakness of the consumer and, and autos is like a big, a big part of that picture. Um, so I, I guess, do you feel like it, it, it tells you that the consumer is a little bit stronger than we think? Some consumers are stronger than we think. I think the, the big question we have though, is going forward, um, I, I suspect this is not going to be consistent and it's not going to be linear. And by the way, it's all dependent on the virus and we don't have control over that, uh, except for our containment measures. Um, we, we track where the virus is hot and whatever and where, and the joblessness, I mean, 40 some million people are out of work. So, um, that is going to have an impact. So that will keep things depressed this year and probably next year as well. Michelle, how many revisions, upward or downward, have you made to your projections for the year? Well, we made none last year, so and we came in pretty <laughs> darn close. We were at sixteen nine, and it right. was seventeen uh, rounded up. Um, we're we're looking at it every month. Uh, you know, May came in a little stronger, so we're looking at boosting it up, but not significantly. I mean, we're at twelve three. Maybe we'll be at twelve six, twelve seven, um, and there are ones out there that are over fourteen. We just don't see that. And then as a reminder, uh, which months are typically the strongest months or the, or the strongest seasons? Well, typically uh, the spring months are. March, April, May are the strongest months of the year, but we kind of lost that. So the calendar is being changed a little bit too. Okay. So, so you think it, 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 it'll just shift to later in the year? And I think so. I mean, I think, and, and I, I, I just don't think we're going to see some bouncing. We think June and July may be uh, kind of hampered a little bit because there's not a lot of inventory out there. And I don't know how long that will stand because the automakers can't really tell you when there'll be a full production. You know, Ford and GM yeah. are saying by the end of this month, other automakers are being a little more careful about that. Yeah, that was my next question is just, what are you hearing from the automakers and, and the executives as far as you know, th their confidence going forward? Cautiously optimistic is what they keep telling us. Uh, Ford has said they expect to be at full production July 6th. Uh, GM is saying end of the month, we had a briefing from Toyota and they said, mm, you know, it's moving along slowly. I mean, all, all the plants have had uh, cases of COVID, um, not necessarily bred through the plant, but in the, their communities um, that has caused concern. There's the parts situation too, especially coming out of Mexico. Mexico has been slower to come online because they've had a lot of COVID cases. And so there's a big supply chain that may have some hiccups there. So, I, you know, I, you know, it could be through the summer. We expect there could be inventory shortages in some models through the summer. We're on the line with Michelle Krebs from Cox Automotive. I mean, do you just think that, you know, there's like this temporary demand here and, you know, because people were just stuck in their houses and they couldn't go get cars. So now, you know, that they'll rush out when we can and they'll do it. And then they will really have a negative effect at the later end of the year because people, it was just. That's, that's a good question. We keep wondering, too, will it sustain? Um, and, and we do think a lot of people went out there. They saw those zero percent deals and they're like, I'm going to latch on to that. Um, but, uh, those deals are starting to wind down. So that will um, uh, automatically cut back the number of people who go after those. But it, that is the big question. Will the consumer demand hold up? And we just don't know. 
What about uh, Tesla here, Michelle? Um, so, sort of like its own beast, but can you like comment on on the recent uh, activity, just either in the stock or not, or, or just in terms of sales? And there are some headlines about you know weakening demand and weakening order flow. Tesla's a mystery to me, as is yeah. the stock market. So, yeah. uh, there's always a lot going on with Tesla. You know, this week it's about they're having Model Y uh, uh, quality issues. Um, the stock went up to $1,000 a share recently. Uh, it's kind of all over the map. I, it's, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to say about it. What have you heard about Nikola? I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that. I mean, this is a company that's not going to produce a truck for like two or three years. And yet, I, again, it's, it, it's just mind boggling the way the market behaves with it because, yeah. you know, it's stock went crazy. It doesn't have a single revenue. It doesn't have a product. It doesn't have a plant running and won't for quite some time. So it's a bafflement to me. How about the Hertz stock that they're issuing? I guess they can't issue it now, but uh, on a bankrupt company, there's yeah. crazy things going on in the stock market. So Michelle, if you had to pick one more before I let you go, if you had to pick a favorite here of the automakers, who would it be? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can pick a favorite. I mean, I, I think Toyota's always strong. Uh, you know, they've got deep pockets yeah. uh, and they've got a lot of new product coming. Uh, you know, I think Ford, we've got to watch closely. They've got a lot of promising product. They've got four critical launches coming up and, uh, but they've got to execute them perfectly. So, uh, and, and GM's got a very aggressive EV strategy. I'm anxious to see that roll out. So I don't know that I have a favorite, but there's certainly ones I'm watching. And then, you know, Nissan was really troubled going into this. Can they get out of it? All right. Michelle Krebs is an executive analyst at Cox Automotive. Michelle, as always, we appreciate your time. And it's always nice to get some local blood on the show, Michigan-based. Thanks a lot for the time, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. Bye. All right. 8.46 here. A lot of tickers from the chat I'd like to get to. Uh, okay. Take your time. Uh, but yeah. Take your time uh, Thursday. And, but Already? Before, before I do that, I did want to give Dennis a chance. Do you want to go on whatever rant you were going to go I on? I don't remember now. The, my brain just starts <laughs> going on one. I don't even remember what we were Was talking about. Was it Kroger's? I don't remember. Okay. I'll we'll have to come back. If, I, if it comes back into my brain, I'll just interrupt you all and just go on my rant. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> moving, on, time. moving on here. Uh, one more that was on my list. Oh, actually, before we get to that, Dennis, do you want to hear about the trade that I made yesterday? Yes, of course. You do? Okay. Yes. I had, Not going to be happy with them. No, no, no. I, What'd you buy? I did something as good and something's bad. Okay. It, uh, it, it was a hit and miss type of thing. So I haven't made like a short-term trade in a while, right? So uh, I was looking on Twitter and I saw uh, this, this stock, MFAC is the ticker, Mary uh, Foxtrot Alpha Charlie. Okay. They're a... Uh, Blank check acquisition company, all right? Oh, and, these are fun. Uh, <laughs> these are fun. And I, I just saw a tweet from someone I follow that they were, I guess, uh, associating with Chime, which is one of these like new fintech banks that, that's been trying to IPO now, or they've been talking about maybe IPOing for a while. I, I followed the company. I've, I've interviewed them. I, I like what they're doing. And I, I saw on Twitter, always a, a reliable source, that uh, MFAC, <laughs> uh, MFAC is uh, going to do the Chime IPO. So they're going to go chimes and go public through that just as this is just rumors just rumors just in the way that DraftKings and and let's Ver, check and the Ver, training rule spencer broke on this go and, ahead and Ver, so, so i thought okay rumor 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 yep. discussion rumor because it's going up already when you're gonna yep. talk about this rumor so, rumor so this was i'll pull up like a one minute chart uh and you can even fleetwood see. mac album so so right uh so uh rumor this is I, why it was popping yesterday because the rumors yes. were out there right so i said you know what i like chime I haven't made a trade in a while. Um, what the hell? Okay. I'm just going to throw, throw a speculative, speculative play out there. So that, that was probably a mistake in hindsight. In any case, I, I make my trade and I'm, and I'm looking at it. And like not 30 seconds later, you, you can see on the chart, Dennis, that this is a, a one minute. That giant green candle, that happened 30 seconds after I bought it. All wow. right. So I'm like, whoa. I, I'm right. good. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at this. I should give up this yeah. producing job, so, be a full-time trader. So, so I'm like, okay, maybe there is some, 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 uh, some meat to this rumor. So, and also I should note that I have zero tolerance for, for taking a loss on this. This is, this is going to be a short-term trade. I, if, it got, if, I got, if it got back down to my price, like I'm getting out, right? So that's what, that's, that's what I knew going in. Um, and... I decided to you know, keep it on my screen and I, I look away for like a minute 
and I come back and it's back down to my price again. And I went shit and I got out. Oh, and you sold it. Yep, I sold it. So uh, I, was in the I was in the trade for maybe like, I don't know, two minutes, three minutes. And, Did you uh, make money? No, no. Scratch You're it. not supposed to sell at a loss. <laughs> no, Never I, sell at a loss. <laughs> so I just thought, you know, I, you know, I, I broke a few rules. I, I didn't go in for the right reasons, uh, but I got out for the right reasons. So, you know, that was a, just a, a trade. I haven't made a trade, in, in, like, a, like a real short-term trade in a couple months. So that was my adventure yesterday with MFA. I mean, rumors come. We don't know a lot of times. Um, and obviously, you know, these blank check companies here, and I'm assuming this is what this is. Yeah, there's, um, there, there are always subject to rumors. There's always, there's a lot of these blank check companies out there, a yep. lot of them. And they sit there and they're basically just, you know, their ideas out there. They're looking for, you know, to do something eventually with some money. And a lot of times, you know, we don't know. Sometimes we find out what they're going to be doing and then the blank check company will start going up because, oh, that's, you know, like, like for example, with Nick, was it Nikola was the one that was trading as um, yes. blank check? Yes. What was it? What was the symbol? Do you remember? On the, uh, VTIQ. VTIQ. Yeah, because, um, yeah, Can the you... Warlock brought that one to us. So <laughs> He's lurking <laughs> in the chat today, folks. Is he in the chat? Yep. Hi, Kenny. Hi, Kenny. We love you, Kenny. He brought to, that to us, obviously. So anyway, the, these stocks get, get they get pumped up a lot, and I and I knew that they're thin, I, they're yeah. real thin. When especially when they're starting as these blank oh, check companies. Oh, so, so that was like, another, like what was the volume on that MFAC yesterday? You're talking was, about at nineteen hundred shares with all Spencer Israel. So, oh no, that's so, a so, so when I tried to when I tried to sell, I was like, oh man, the spread's ten cents wide. Oh, oh well, <laughs> I just I don't really have a choice. Yeah. So yeah, uh, ten cent widespread. Uh, you can speculate on all these blank check companies, and you know, but just it, it's it's speculation is what it is because you don't know. Sometimes they can sit there for years, you know, and there and there and there's no, you know, there's yeah. just looking for ideas for putting capital to work. Yeah. Um. So you know, there, and like I said, I don't know if you can Google a list or whatever of how many blank check companies out there. There's a little pile of them. So you know, is this one going to be one that's going to do the chime? Um, I, it's all just rumors right now, but you know, when rumors come yeah. to fruition, there can be situations where, you know, that one that turns into Nikola. So, and right. obviously a lot of people made a lot of money on that one. So, but a lot of these don't materialize into anything. So yep. a little bit of a needle in a haystack play, but sure. again, sure. you get rumors off Twitter and sometimes these rumors can turn out to be something. For sure. Okay. Uh, let's go to some stuff from the chat here. That, that was my adventure yesterday. Uh, let's go to... Shopify. Someone asked about this one at the top. Yeah, of the Shopify and Walmart. That was a couple days ago. Uh, Dennis will say he sold it. He regrets it. He wants to oh, buy it's it. Thousand. It's going to a thousand. I think bucks. it's going to a thousand. A thousand, like with well, it depends on how this you know stock market goes overall. But I don't see any reason this is not going to a thousand bucks. I'm so mad at myself because I said it was going to a thousand when I originally bought at three hundred, and I somehow sold out at six hundred and change on the double, and I shouldn't have. You know Should've what? Should have kept I, half. Should have kept half. You know what? Tight rage in this thing yesterday. It looks Only, good on the technicals, though, Joel, doesn't it? It's winding yeah, up again. Yeah. Going for that run. Up another 13. Breakout city here again. We're, we're 844 as a high back on the 26th of May. We're going to challenge that maybe even today. Maybe it fails the first time rechallenging it. But Shopify is a story. Shopify is growth. Shopify has a lot of things going for it. Shopify don't give a crap about the valuation. Honey Badger don't care. Shopify don't care about any valuation. So will at least you, not at this point in time. I like Shopify. Will you give me uh, 50 points down from here versus 50 not points 50, up? 50, maybe 250. Maybe the, one nine, the 180 down. I'll do that. So, well, 170, I guess we are. So we're 830. Knock off 170 points. You're good at this air math, Joel. Don't put, throw me under the bus. But what is that, about 650? Uh, 170, no. 170, No, 680. It, it, it's at 831. So it'd be... 830, it's got to go to the one. I mean, that stock's got a point it's spread. It's at 83099. It's That's not. It's it, yeah, no, it's offered heavily there at 831. I'm not buying that at 831 on your bet because it's 831 there's 8800 shares there's 100 shares on the bet at 830 better chance of trading through 830 All right, than i'll take i'll take 761 is he giving I, the math to me right i'm not that good at math 761 and then you you have uh, my thousand yeah you, no no you, no 761 nine, you have 901 well, i like that uh, no it's too tight all right, forget it. I got to right. get it down. I want to. I'll just say this had a 700. Tight, I'd still like it. Forget it. 
You're like you're t- you're like so the hard. we're trying to make a bet. Here. We used to make side bets all the time, but Joel's yeah, too now you're too. Joel wants the edge all the time. I have okay. to give up the edge to make a Joel. Tight rage yesterday. Uh, I would I wouldn't want to be short above eight twenty seven and a half, and I wouldn't want to be long below eight ten fifty nine. Really tight range in that yesterday. I'm looking for a move. I'll go with what way it breaches the range. All right, another one that we talked about yesterday on the afternoon show, but want to get Dennis's thoughts here on end phase energy. I'm sure you saw this. Maybe you traded. I, I don't know. No, I didn't trade it, but I saw okay. the report. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're saying a lot of fraud going on here. Who is a, who's the short seller? Uh, Precious Point, who was on our show a couple months ago. Yeah, we've had these. You know, obviously, we've even had Andrew Left on the show. We've got some pretty good guests in the past. These producers, producer, Spencer Israel and Joel Khan, they know how to get the guests. But anyways, um, report comes out, stock implodes. They're saying they got a whole bunch of fraudulent revenue in there. I don't know if there's, you know, that their research is correct on this or not. Obviously, when they make allegations like that, you know, they've probably done some dotting of the I's and crossing of the T's. And sometimes these things turn out to be true. These short reports and sometimes it reports and sometimes they turn out to be false. Uh, the, the company has been a favorite for a long time. Um, it's hard to say, you know, from a technical basis, because this is all just trading on that report. I would say if you're trading it, yesterday's low is critical to hold, yep. 37.81 as a trade. Um, I don't think it's going to bounce right back because there's people who are spooked probably on it now. And the stock was trending down going into this. But this, you know, you put this in That's perspective, this one. has been like one of the best, you know, like in TAN, it's obviously in the ETF TAN. This is, went from a very small portion of that ETF to a huge chunk of it just because the stock back in 2017 was 70 cents. Three years later, it's $70. It's a stock that went up 100 times. So even if you were, you know, like, even if you're saying, okay, end phase is the thing, I mean, holy mackerel, like, uh, stock goes up a, you know, 100 it's times. Eight, it's 80% of TAN right now. Yeah, it's 8% of TAN right now, coming from, you know, probably in 2017, where it was like 0.08% of TAN. So it's huge, because it's just the stock is just blasted off into orbit. It's been, you know, that and SEDG, have carried tan because a lot of the other solar stocks have sucked so it's been those two stocks that have carried tan well now you lose end phase so you wonder what that means for tan itself as well but um and tan obviously having a, a little bit of an ugly day because the eight percent it owns of end phase but i i don't know i like solar overall i'm not going to go and jump into a stock when there's a short report and speculate Did whether it's respond? accurate or not accurate did they respond? Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah, they That's did what respond. we talked about. Yeah. It's above my pay grade to say this is true or false. So yeah, I can't yeah. trade it because I don't know what the correct answer is. Yeah. So I'm I'd say that. if you know, I'd say the shorts are kind of like scratching their head because you, you either when these kind of things happen, you either get people like waking up and looking at their statement and saying, oh, my God. I got to get out of this or the company comes out and defends it. So uh, right now you got the little of the defense trade going on. I'd use that close as potential support. And then man, going up on the upside, this is a, this is a tough call because you came down so hard. So I'll just take a look at where the pre-market high is. And then that's what you need. You need follow through, through the pre-market high. You're right there right now. 44.20. So you just want to see it. That's pre-market high. You're trading 43.95. I don't know, bid offered there. A lot of green candles this morning. So you just want to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Turns around, I think you find support even ahead of that close. Well, one more on the Shopify. Uh, RBC upgrade, uh, raised your price target this morning to a street high $1,000. So oh, so they agree with me. I was the street high. Yeah. So they're the second person that's raised their price okay. target on Shopify. What about here's one that we have not talked about for a while on the show, Virtue Financial, Dennis. Um, I know you were you were in this and, and you're out. I've been in and out of it a couple of times. Yeah. You know what? Quietly consolidating here, probably to go higher. Volatility. It's a it's a play like the T Vex, really. I mean, volatility goes up, virtue goes up. Volatility goes down, virtue goes back down. Why is that? Because they're like me. Um, you know, we, we probably have an overlap on a lot of different strategies. They're obviously doing, you know, millisecond time frame where I'm doing a lot of different, you know, statter stuff. But I'm sure some of our strategies overlap. But as the VIX goes up, I make more money. As the VIX goes down, I don't make as much money because I'm doing inefficiency trading. That's what Virtue Financial is specializing in, is market making and inefficiency trading. 
And there's more inefficiencies when the stocks are going all over the place. So not surprising, Virtue has done very well overall, really, in the last, you know, in, in 2020, because this went from $15 to 23 because the volatility has been awesome in 2020. Like I said, it's my best trading year since, since the financial crisis in 2009. So I'm sure Virtue Financial is killing it too. So volatility starts to go back up again. VIRT will start to catch a bit. So dividends sound 4.12%. Um, great operational company there. I like it. I like the company. Yeah, quite. And I don't mind solid. the stock here either. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to be. I mean, there's really, if you're, you know, looking to get it cheaper, and I don't know if you're going to see this thing. You're in a range. I mean, yeah, you yep. could go at it, but if mm. if if you know the volatility, if the market starts to go higher again, this is actually a stock that can move counter to the overall market. So just remember that too. So market starts to really rip, rally, and higher, and volatility starts to come down. Virtue will come down, but virtue will follow the VIX. To a certain one, extent. One more fast, and I'm sorry we can't get some more tickers, but let's just look at SE real fast. I'm sorry? SE. SE, sorry. SE. It's been ripping said, higher. Oh, I've watched the stock, and it's oh. the trend is your friend, man. I got to say that. Is but it now, is... wow, it's up. It's doubled in a month. So just caution to the investor. Traders. Did um, Michael Olson give us a stock a long time ago? Former Piper Jaffrey analyst and uh now he's with the vikings doing their uh i thought he gave us a stock a long time ago maybe not wow i don't know what to say about this up 214 if you need a target you have to have a target in this one where'd you get to after hours uh 109.90 or excuse me 108.94 you really have to no, no that's 109.94 if you have to have a target on this thing if you're trying to protect profits, you know, keep an eye on that close from yesterday as a potential exit point. Where was that close? Boom, boom, boom. 106.81. So keep an eye on that for some potential downside. All right. Bringing up a list of the stocks we talked about. Most of the stocks we discussed on the show today for your reference, if you'd like to keep them on your radar. Uh, I've been writing takers down. We'll try to get to a lot. Why is that blurry? Yeah. What'd you do, Spencer? What's I don't see anything there. I just see a bunch of like, Oh, whoa. That's really strange. You it's know very what? blurry. Yeah, let's try that again. I got to adjust my glasses for that one. Let's try that again. Uh, so, okay. I'll bring up the list here in Ben Benzinga Pro. Um, I'm going to try to get to more tickers on the afternoon show. So if you want to join 340 on YouTube, you can do that. Same same location as this show. Uh, one, is it better now? These are all the symbols we talked about today? Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, so thanks to our guest, Michelle Krebs. Thanks to all of you in our chat. While you're in our chat, don't forget to like our uh, videos and subscribe to our channel that helps us with the YouTube algorithm and that's it so please remember that all the information from our broadcast is meant to be used as informational purposes not for investing or trading advice yeah, so that, those are the stocks that we got in after Michelle Krebs was on because you talked from 8 to 835 yeah, I didn't talk any stocks I yeah, yeah. so that was we only didn't talk from... GAN the comeback after the disappointing earnings and that's Jason Rosnick pick too. I'm still long. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, All right. you know, I'm going to hop over on Hot Mike and cover some of these other issues. Join me at hotmike.io, code Joel317. I'll switch over there and uh, we'll be back with you guys. We get a great crowd in the afternoon show, steadily yeah. increasing. Maybe uh, Triple D will grace us with his presence one of these days. I did. Uh, I graced you with my presence a couple when weeks When I was ago. out. That's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Adios, folks. Like Pokeroo. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.